Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, a podcast that explores the origins and the development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. I'm Vincent Prince. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Now, if you joined us last week, you know that we did our Anticipating the Doom Patrol episode and what a lot of fun that was. This week, we are doing the final issue of the Silver Age run of the Doom Patrol. We're doing issue 121. Mm. We decided a long time ago we'd do an issue of the Doom Patrol because we were going to touch upon the legacy aspect of the Doom Patrol's Robot Man. And we picked issue 121 because it also kind of ties into one of the other sort of criteria that we have for covering certain comics. Now, Peter's going to tell us very quickly the origin of the Silver Age Robot Man, because obviously we talked last week about the origin of the Golden Age. Pete, over to you. Indeed, and remember this is Robot Man 3, as we discovered there was a second one last week. So yes, Cliff Steele, the third Robot Man. No relation. (laughs) No relation, and again, spelt differently. He was an obsessive daredevil. He engaged in every extreme sporting event he could. From spelunking to race car driving. He climbed the Himalayan mountains, he rafted down the Amazon River and spent six months living in a tribal African village. We've all done that. Yeah, huh? quite the adventure. But at one point in his career, he became involved in the NASCAR circuits. He became a professional race car driver and was in the Indianapolis 500. And unfortunately, that was his final race. During that race, his car slid off the track on an oil slick and toppled over. The car exploded and destroyed yeah. his body. However, a brilliant surgeon by the name of Dr. Niles Calder volunteered to lend his assistance in the hopes of saving Cliff's life. Although his body was destroyed, Calder managed to save Cliff's brain. He transferred it into a cybernetic body, and Cliff became known as Robot Man. Calder made arrangements so that his participation in the surgery remained completely anonymous. So, when Cliff awakened in the hospital bed, he learned what had become of him. Faulty wiring inside the robot man systems had an adverse effect on his brain, driving him insane. He flew into a rage and began rampaging through the city streets. But Niles Calder eventually approached him and offered to cure him of the affliction that was driving him to lunacy. And he finally calmed robot man down long enough to perform the operation. After the operation, Calder offered Cliff a new lease on life. He asked him to become part of a special team of misfits dedicated toward the fight against evil. Joining with Negative Man and Elastigirl, the three new heroes became the first... Doom Patrol! And there we are. Hooray! Round of applause. <laughs> so um, this will be the point of the episode then, when I ask everyone assembled, when did we all first encounter the Doom Patrol? Vincent, you're our special guest this week. When did you first encounter the Doom Patrol? Probably from the Doom Patrol series, ah. which does have a kind of different origin story to Cliff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems that Niles Calders, aka the Chief, actually set him up from the very start and caused the accident, making him Robot Man. Is that the Netflix TV show, which I haven't seen? Oh, the HBO. (laughs) HBO, right, that's okay, right, cool. I haven't seen it, isn't that terrible? Shocking. Oh, no! I know, I know. Spoilers! I know. It's fine, I'll see eventually, I'm sure. (laughs) You hadn't encountered them at all before the the TV show. That's really interesting. Well, weirdly enough, there was a show when I grew up, and there was a very similar character that looked like Brain, but instead of a gorilla, it was a bear, and he had a brain, and it was a, a weird French voice. And he was the main bad guy in the series, which is wow. quite weird now to think it. Wow. Yeah, and I googled him one day and I was like, oh, okay, um, what, what's this guy with the gorilla and the brain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what series was that in? Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, a very right. kind of okay. niche Cartoon Network one. It, it doesn't, I don't think it runs anymore, but right. wow. very good. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and of course the Grant Morrison run. I do love that. <laughs> As do we all. Have you read a lot of Doom Patrol comics? Oh yeah. Right. I'm working myself backwards probably right now. Cool. Because I have grabbed the Silver Age from Forbidden Planet Glasgow. Very good place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've started reading that right now. I'm on eighty six. Okay. Which is Headhunters. Oh, the yes. very first appearance of Brain. Yay. Cool. Yeah, Excellent. Yay. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, I've got quite, a, I think I said this last week, I've got quite a few issues of the Silver Age run that I bought from the late lamented Mr. Peter Root in the late 90s, and I've, I've read very few of them. It's one of these things, I, when I had my big purge, it was some of the stuff that I kept, mainly for sentimental reasons. I first encountered the Doom Patrol, I had to think about this, it was a DC house advertisement for the, the Secret Origins annual, which we told their origin. Ah, okay, cool. So that would have been oh. about 80... 
788 or something, maybe, maybe, around about then, I think. Mm -hmm. That was the first time. And I don't think I read anything with them for quite a long time. I know I've read the trade paperback that collects the first Grant Morrison issues. Uh -huh. I bought that when I worked on Stateside, which was probably, what, 1994 or something. Out of the three of us, I'm probably the least qualified to talk about them, to be honest, it must be said. Oh, well. So, Pete, say, when did you first encounter the Doom Patrol? I was trying to think about this the other day, actually. I think it might have been when Robot Man appeared in the Teen Titans fairly early on. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yep. that was a thing. Because later on, I picked up the showcase issues that featured the, the new Doom Patrol when they first came back. Mm -hmm. But I think I saw them in Teen Titans first. Yeah. Yeah, because I think I posted the, the cover of issue, is it issue 13 when Cliff Steele, Robot Man, yes, is uh -huh. strung up. I, I posted that in the, the Teen Titans gallery on the socials recently is a bit of foreshadowing Indeed. for this episode that we're doing right now <laughs> <laughs> there is a plan there is a plan listeners honestly yeah yeah that's where i first encountered them and obviously i followed them ever since including their dc comics presents appearance in which it was also the first appearance of ambush bug which who another character i love and adore it's great mm -hmm. even although he's a bit murdery in that one it's a bit different from the standard fun loving uh, ambush bug but never mind and also the bulk upper bug series was fantastic and then that led into the Grant Morrison run with Richard Case. And that perhaps is it's certainly my top five run of comics ever. Interesting. I, it used to be number one. I don't know if it's still number one. It's hard to actually rank them now. And to be honest, I don't really like ranking things. But certainly it's right up there as a phenomenal run. There's so many, so many subtle bits in it, that, like so many references that being from the same place that Grant's from, we kind of see right. the jokes and the references that he's making that's going over okay. the heads of lots of people. <laughs> like there's characters in it called the Sex Men and they're called Kiss, Cuddle and Torture. And that was a game that used to be played in some Glaswegian playgrounds in primary school. Really? Yes. They didn't have that in Paisley. What kind of weird oh, wow. ass school did you go to? <laughs> Kiss, Cuddle or Torture? Kiss, Cuddle or Torture, yeah. I suppose nowadays they'd do it in Snapchat, wouldn't they? <laughs> Anyway. Kiss Cuddle and Snapchat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I just love that run so much. Long story short, that was my introduction to the Doom Patrol, and I've loved them ever since. I've always meant to read more of the Grant run because I'm such a big fan of his Animal Man series and all mm, that. He, yeah. can, he, can, mm -hmm. he can kind of do no wrong in many ways, I think. Um, I should read some more. Maybe this episode will encourage me. So, to drag us screaming back to the point, we are doing this week, we're doing the final issue of the Silver Age run of the Doom Patrol, issue 121, and that was published on the 18th of July, 1968. Peter, would you like to tell everyone about the cover? I'd be delighted. There's a lovely yellow banner at the top that posts the question, Is this the beginning of the end of the Doom Patrol? And underneath that, we have a graveyard scene. In it, we have the graves of Negative Man, Elastigirl, and Robot Man. And it looks like their ghosts are kind of hovering above it with a shadowy figure of the Chief, who also looks ghostly in the background. And answering the question is a jaggedy splash at the bottom that says, You decide! It's also worth pointing out that a full moon looms in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yes, take, take a, a drink, drink listeners. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's quite, it's quite a, an iconic sort of moody cover, isn't mm, it? Very much a, a final issue of the series cover. Yes, spoilers for, for it is. Shall we jump straight in? Let's do so. Our opening splash panel tells us immediately why we chose this one. You'll know that in the past, listeners, we've done episodes where we've encountered some of the DC staff members on what comes to be known as Earth Prime. We recently, well, comparatively recently, we did the issue of The Flash that asked the question, Flash, Fact or Fiction, where we met Julie Schwartz. And we've also touched on writer and artist appearances in comics like Green Lantern and Sea Devils and, of course, Detective Comics. So the splash panel of this opening page of Doom Patrol 121 Headed at the top, it says, Doom Patrol, the world's strangest heroes. And there's a big screen, which shows a rather shocked-looking The Chief, a rather shocked-looking Elastigirl, a rather shocked-looking Robot Man, and a rather shocked, I'm always impressed that he can pull expressions through his bandages, a rather <laughs> shocked Negative Man. <laughs> Silver Age, a Negative Man gives me the fear. Does he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just that face. It's I don't think you're meant to have a face on top of bandages. <laughs> Yeah, It's actually not so much a screen, it's more of a large drawing that's been rendered by the artist for this issue, Bruno Premiani, and he's talking to Murray Boltonoff, the editor of the series at this point. So we chose this one because it's doing that whole thing where it breaks the fourth wall and brings in the, the comic creators. And above this drawing, there's a caption which reads, The, the Death, death of, of the, the Doom, Doom Patrol. Patrol. 
Yes, and Bruno, Bruno, we should describe, thinning hair, glasses, very neat moustache, wearing a stripy tie. And Bruno is in the process of saying, It's true, Murray. They will die. You didn't tell me how to finish this page. You're gonna kill our Doom Patrol. And in the foreground, you see Murray Bolton all sat at his typewriter. And there's a story about this, actually, because it wasn't originally supposed to be Murray, but I'll tell you that at the end. Murray replies, I don't know, Bruno. It's not to me. Unless the Marines send help, the Doom Patrol will die after this issue. And you, Jolly Reader, and he's pointing right at us. You are the Marines. Only you can save the Doom Patrol now, and I kid you not. Gosh. Gosh. Dramatic. Oof. I know, it's a mm. start and a half. So we turn to page two. It's a nice close-up of Bruno, as he says. But it would be terrible. We created these nicer people, people with big problems but bigger hearts. In panel two of this page, it's a shot of Robot Man, Cliff Steele, punching his own reflection with a crash. And this panel has a caption that says, Like a robot man, and how he woke up in a hospital one day and found... I'm not Cliff Steele, human being anymore. I'm a tin man with a real brain. Some lousy joke! Punches the mirror with a crash. That's obviously a flashback to his origin. Exciting. Bruno continues to narrate the next panel, saying... And Rita, who sacrificed her movie career to use her stretching powers to help people. Yeah, and this panel shows Elastigirl, who we, we referenced last week when we did that challenge of the unknown story. Rita, grown to enormous size above a raging flood, and she's helping a couple of chaps we're in their boat, and we can see like you know houses and trees being swept away. There's lightning flashing in the background. As Rita says, Don't be foolish, Mr. Premiani. This is the biggest star role I ever played. And then Bruno narrates the next panel, which shows the, the negative man bursting into action. The narration says, And poor Larry, who can't ever take off his bandages because he is radioactive. Negative man says, You win some, you lose some, Bruno. After all, without my condition, negative man would never have been born. There's a sort of grzzzt sound effect as the as the shady, scary black silhouette figure bursts out of his body. The next panel on page two, it's a nice close-up of the chief, and he's winking. Bruno's narration says, And of course, the chief, greatest brain in the world. Very smug-looking chief says, Nonsense. No man is more than the sum of all previous knowledge. Well, maybe a teensy bit more. That's probably when he winks. So we're back in the, the DC Comics office. In this final panel of page two, Bruno's sat in front of his drawing table. We can see a slightly sketchier version of the image from this opening splash. Murray's at the typewriter. Bruno says, And now you kill them. That's terrible. I told you. It's up to the readers. Later we'll tell them how they just might save the DP. And by that he means, of course, the Doom Patrol. So, we arrive at the top of page three, and a very large caption says, The The beginning beginning of of the the end. end. And this panel shows... The, oh gosh, he's very statuesque. Madame Rouge, standing in her secret dodgy headquarters, standing over a sort of weird screen that has a... It looks like it's an upside-down, old-fashioned light shade type thing with television inside it. She's being lit up in green light, and she looks down over the screen, which is showing a nice little semi-detached house surrounded by trees and very nice suburban area. She is saying... There it is! The headquarters of the Brotherhood of Evil! We shall be at Turgle Zero in six seconds, prepared to release the bomb. And in the background, one of her hooded goons says, Bomb is at the ready, Madame Rouge. Okay, gosh. So it's Doom Patrol Baddie versus Doom Patrol Baddie. Is Madame Rouge, is she in other stories? Yes. She pops up in the Teen Titans. Oh, really? Quite a lot. Mm -hmm. I know she's definitely popped up in a few of the cartoons I enjoy. And uh, Michelle Gomez is playing her in the TV series. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That explains everything. So, over the page now, top of page three, the caption for the first panel says, Meanwhile, in Brotherhood of Evil headquarters. Yes, and in this panel, arch Doom Patrol enemies, the Brain, and the gorilla-esque Monsieur Mala. Did I pronounce that properly, everyone? We oui. Cool, that'll do. <laughs> and the Brain is fascinating. It's almost like a kind of skull-like robot head with a glass dome on top with a brain floating in it. Kind of similar to Robot Man, if you think about it, in a way. Mm-hmm. Monsieur Milan is kneeling in front of him, and there's a blip, blip sound effect coming from the Brain, as he says, I tell you this, this woman could ruin everything, Mala. And Mala replies, But why, Brain, now that she is no longer with the Doom Patrol? Brain says, That's just it, you fool. On her own, there is nothing to restrain her. Slight change of perspective of the second panel. It's a close-up of Mala the Gorilla moving in closer to Brain, and Mala says, But surely you, Great Brain, have nothing to fear. There's a couple of blips, and then Brain replies, I do. 
Madame Roche knows that I helped to create that furnace of evil that burns within her. Therefore, she will do anything to destroy. And then they're interrupted by a massive boom sound effect as they're literally the roof of their house explodes and Mala goes flying and the brain goes flying, disconnected from his equipment with his brain falling out of the disembodied head. Oh no. Madame Rouge has only gone and blown them up. Oh my goodness. So, we arrive at the top of page five and the caption there for the first panel says... Later, at the Doom Patrol's headquarters... Yes, we see the chief operating some equipment, and he's saying... And though the Paris police are still digging for the pieces, there's no question that the brain and his genius gorilla are dead. Robot Man says... There goes another fun group. Negative Man says... That's okay by me. And a close-up, the chief says... You missed the point. This is Madame Rouge's doing. It was meant as a warning to me. Huh? The chief continues in the next panel, holding up a photograph of Madame Rouge. Yes. The only woman I ever loved is out to destroy me. Robot Man and Negative Man look a little sceptical. Robot Man waves a hand, saying, Baloney, I think you've been reading too many romance magazines, chief. The brain was probably knocked off by some other criminal nut, like the kidney or the lung. In the next panel, we get a very effective screech of brake sound effect coming through the open window. Robot Man cries out, What's that? Somebody hit his car brakes with a sledgehammer. The chief says, Down, both of you, quickly. So he moves out the way. Robot Man and Negative Man duck. The next panel shows a car screeching past outside. Massive big screech of brakes. And the next panel, final panel of page five, a couple of gun barrels emerge from a window and there's a rat a tat tat of machine gun fire. Very exciting. First panel of page six now. Robot Man's in the process of saying, Those dirty creeps. They've wounded an innocent bystander and left him for the vultures. Wait till I get my hands. Shaking his hand in anger, we can see that they're now outside. Negative man is tending to the aforementioned bystander. And negative man says, This guy needs more than your anger, nickelhead. And then he continues in the next panel. Fly him straight to the city hospital, Negman. Then report back, like, fast. I think we've got a big night ahead. Yeah, with a sound effect. Negative man's shady form carries off the innocent bystander. Robot man kind of waving after him. So the next panel is a closer shot of Robot Man reaching down and picking up some of the bullets. He's saying, Hold it, Larry. I'll carry you inside till Negman returns to your body. But first, let me pick up those shell casings. They'll have identifying ballistic marks. Yes, from the background we can see Larry crouching on the ground. Someone give the listeners a quick cue in of how Negative Man's powers work then. Yeah, so basically when Larry releases his negative spirits, it can fly off and it's got all these extra powers, but it leaves him physically weakened and basically the negative spirit has to return to him within 60 seconds or he'll die. Blimey, so he's got to get that old man to the hospital and back within 60 seconds. Mm. Gosh, (laughs) there we go then. Um, where's our man's little countdown clock when you need it? <laughs> so, story continues then. Robot Man's dialogue in the next panel is... There they are, Chief. A batch of casings and one shell that didn't fire. A dud. As he throws the bullet cases down onto... Well, it looks just onto a nice comfy couch stroke sofa there. <laughs> it looks like the Chief is whizzing past on his wheelchair. And he says... A dud? Hmm, maybe. And maybe not. Quick, Cliff, jam those under the sofa cushion. Next panel is a massive... Boom! As the sofa explodes, Robot Man's just in front of it, reaching in. He's obviously managed to move the dud bullet out of the way before it completely blows off. Robot Man's dialogue in the next panel is... Holy cow, that dud was a mini-bomb set to explode as soon as I carried it into the house. We can see that his right hand has been completely destroyed. It's all mangled and torn up. An extreme close-up. In this final panel of this page, the chief says, Madame Rouge knew you would think of the ballistic marks. She knows all about us. Didn't I generously take her into our little nest and teach her? God! Ah, so Madame Rouge was a goodie for a while then, was she? Yes. I really need to read my extensive Doom Patrol back issue collection, (laughs) don't I? (laughs) Awful. So unprepared. Right, a slow dissolve then now, as we arrive at the top of page seven. Meanwhile, over in rich people's country... Yeah, we're in company now of Steve Dayton and his wife, Rita, and a couple of their pals. Steve and his pal, Jack, have just descended a flight of stairs. Jack's in the process of saying, Don't forget about that UMI deal, Steve. We can pick that company up for peanuts. 75 millions isn't peanuts, even to me, Jack. But you'll have my answer by three tomorrow, after my class in abnormal psych. In the foreground of the panel, Jack's wife is talking to Rita. And Jack's wife, we don't get her name, but she says, Isn't it wonderful? The fifth richest man in the world still going to school. And Rita says, Yes, 
But he's not studying at the U. He's teaching. It's his hobby. So, another slow dissolve. We're back with Steve and Rita at their pad. Is that separate beds, I see? Aw, how old-fashioned, how lovely, how sweet. They're getting ready for their kip. Rita's got a dressing gown on. Steve's taking off his jacket. And Steve's saying, Man, I'm bushed. Waited up all last night while you were zipping around with the goon gang. And this is the third business dinner I've had to handle for you this week, Mr. Gotbucks. Rita turns on her radio. There's a little satisfying click noise. The next panel, Steve sits down and he's taking off his shoes. Poof, stinky. And he's in the process now of saying, Oh, that feels better. So if I'm so rich, how come my shoes still hurt? Listen, sweetie, when are you going to leave that band of far-out Boy Scouts? When they no longer need me, you know that. And then a little voice crackles out of the desk-side radio saying, Here is a news bulletin. The home of Dr. Niles Calder, chief of the famed Doom Patrol, was attacked with machine guns at precisely... Steve's standing up now in this panel, and he says, Why'd you put on your uniform? Rita, now in costume, as Elastigirl replies, Because they still need me! Don't wait up, Cookie! She obviously makes her exit. Final panel of page seven is Steve throwing the radio to the floor with a crash, as he says, You and your big electronic mouth, Marconi, drop dead! So, we now arrive at the top of page eight, just one panel on this page, and has a caption that says, Later! And this panel shows Rita bursting through the door, where she's confronted by Negative Man, who's carrying a big heavy-looking machine pistol, and Robot Man's got a gun as well. Negative Man says, Halt! Who goes? Oh, it's you, baby! Rita replies, Good grief! What's going on with you two? Put down those shooting irons! Robot Man says, Not in your life, sweetie. Like, Madame Rouge just declared all-out war. So if you want to sign up, this is the recruiting office. And there's a caption that rounds us out for this first chapter that says, If you knew what was ahead, girly, you'd burn your draft card. A tiny caption says, Continued in second page following. Over the page, there's another advertisement for the 80-page giant of Lois Lane issue 86, which I think we've mentioned already. <laughs> I think I used to have that. I think I probably said that already. If yep. someone wants to send me a copy, email us at the Earth 2 podcast at gmail.com and Peter will send you my address. So... We arrive now at the top of page nine. Rita's marching through to a room that has Negative Man and the Chief and Robot Man all standing looking very intense beside a fireplace. Rita is in the process of saying, Then it's true, Chief. Madame Rouge is out to destroy you. She killed the brain because he was her creator. And now she must finish the only man who ever got to her as a woman. Next panel, Rita's approached the Chief. She's obviously kneeled down. She's put her hand on his chest and she says... I'm afraid, Chief. For the first time in the history of the Doom Patrol, I'm really scared. Chief replies, What is it the youngsters say today? Don't lose your cool. He continues in close-up. Yes. I'm afraid Madame Rouge got her hands on a good collection of Oscar Wilde. Each man kills the thing he loves. But this thing, I... I won't be that easily destroyed. Chief's interrupting now by a sort of sound effect. It's obviously some kind of message alert like they had in the olden days. And the chief says, Ah, I believe my lover is about to pay another call. Caption for the next panel says, Instantly, the chief leads them to the nerve centre of DP headquarters. So this panel shows the chief in front of a big bank of equipment. There's what looks like a sort of radar screen on it. The little bwee 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 sound effect is still continuing, and the chief is in the process of saying, The R-scope detected three flying objects approaching us. Then our data processor checked them against the flight plan of every commercial and private plane. Those three blips are pirates. My friends, we are under aerial attack. The caption then for the final panel of page nine says, And above, three copters lower themselves like fat angry bees, and... Yes, there's a, a couple of massive... Whoosh! Sound effects as the helicopters unleash a deluge of flames onto Doom Patrol headquarters. And as a massive crackle sound effect as the building catches fire. The caption continues and concludes page 9, saying, From strange angry steel snouts pour massive streams of napalm flames. Good grief, how topical. Yes, I've got an angry steel snout, it must be said. So... <laughs> We now arrive at the top of page 10. This first panel, it's got the Doom Patrol basically watching their building burning <laughs> on the screen in front of them. As she points at it, Rita exclaims, We're burning! Burning! And the chief replies, No, the building is completely fireproof. Those flames will last only until the jellied gasoline burns out. Gosh, captioning for panel 2 of page 10 says, 
Without another word, the chief signals a device that tilts a walled area of the building until... Yeah, we basically see some rockets firing out of the roof of the building with whoosh sound effects. And we hear the chief's voice saying... Now our hunter rockets will search out and destroy these copters. And then with a boom and a quoom sound effect in the next panel, we see two of the helicopters being blown out of the sky. And then with a poof sound effect, the third one is struck. And we see the voices of the Doom Patrol reacting. Robot Man says... We got him! We got him! And the chief says, No, only two direct hits. The third one was just winged. And then Rita says, He's getting away! But then, Negative Man gives us, Don't worry, Negative Man will handle him! And in the final panel we see that the Negative Spirit has left Negative Man's body and is flying up towards the final helicopter. There's a ratata of bullets as they fire at him and a sound effect as the bullets harmlessly pass through. From the ground we hear Robot Man's voice saying, Come on, Neg Baby! Show him how you eat 20 millimetre shells for breakfast. And in the first panel, page 11, everyone join in for the massive explosion as Negative Man flies into the remaining helicopter and it explodes. Well, that was fantastic. Mm. Gosh. Another slow dissolve and a caption for the final panel of page 11 says, Later, as the smoke of battle clears, and the Doom Patrol are standing and sitting amongst the wreckage of the helicopter that's fallen down on the streets, Negative Man says, Man, this looks like London after the Nazi Blitz. Rita says, No, more like Dante's Nightmare of Hell. Robot Man says, Funny, to me it just looks like my pal PJ O'Mara's Bar and Grill after a Saturday night fun fest. The Chief says, There is no fun left for us, Robot Man. The open warfare this woman has declared endangers every living thing in the city. And entering from stage right in this final panel, page 11, was a very neat-looking man with glasses, slight back brown hair, wearing a purple suit, carrying a briefcase. And he enters, saying, Which is precisely why Washington flew me here, sir, to put an end to this. We arrive at the top of page 12. The caption for the first panel says, Inside, the man, Wilmer Boggs, delivers his finite message. Yep, we're back inside. Doom Patrol are all stood and sat as Wilmer addresses them with a waggly finger, saying, And until we have hunted down this woman called Rouge, her very existence here is a menace to the entire population. Now we have prepared a sanctuary for all of you where we can protect you against... And then he's interrupted by a robot man who grabs him by the scruff of his collar, saying, Hold it, Boggs. We fought the brain, the arsenal, Mr. 104. You name it, and we destroyed it. So who's going to protect who from what? Wilmer Man's lifting Wilmer up into the air in panel three. Wilmer says, But, but, I have my orders. If you don't go voluntarily, deportation proceedings will be instantly. Deportation? You little bureaucratic crumb. I'll deport you to the moon with one shot. This could get nasty. Thankfully, Rita interrupts in the next panel. She goes her right hand to a massive size and slaps down Robot Man, saying, Stop that this second! I've never lifted a giant hand to you in my life, but... Oof, says Robot Man, as Rita bats his arm down. And Robot Man says in the next panel, Okay, Chief, you tell him. Tell him nobody wipes the streets with the DP. I'm afraid not. Mr. Boggs, we shall be gone within 24 hours. You may give my word on that to your superior. Wilmer Boggs makes his exit in the next panel. Robot Man looks pretty annoyed. He's punching at the wall as he says, Man, this is the worst. The bleeding end. The fabulous, furious, frightened Doom Patrol made to leave the country by some stupid computer in Washington. Blech. So, another slow dissolve. We arrive at the first big panel of page 13. We're at the airport. Um, Robot Man and Negative Man are carrying loads of luggage. And we can see that there are crowds standing on the roof of the airport waving them off. They're carrying signs. One of the signs says, So long, Scare Patrol. Another one says, Bye bye, crybabies. Another one says, fly away chickens. And crying from the crowd, one voice says, Scram, you cowardly creeps. Boo! And someone else says, Superheroes, ha! And, <laughs> and another voice says, How come you didn't change your uniform colours to just plain yellow? And a very disheartened negative man, as he carries some luggage, says, Looks like our fans have all turned out. Rita says, Don't pay any attention to them. And the chief says, Rita is right. We must go with dignity. Robot Man, who's carrying all the luggage, says... Yeah, he's got loads of it. Much more than anyone else. <laughs> dignity, he says. If I had just a couple of minutes with them... The foreground of the panel, we see the wheels of an aircraft. And in the next panel, they're all inside and seated. Negative Man, Robot Man, in the seats at the front with Rita and the Chief. And scones behind him. Robot Man is turning around and saying to the Chief, Where are we headed for, great leader? 
You got a nice little hideout for the organized cowards of America? The chief replies. I think you may find it amusing. It's a little place I've been preparing for a while now. And Robertman says, y You've been preparing for? You knew this was coming? You got a new command post for us? We're gonna fight back? Yahoo! Mr. Beard, I gotta kiss you. I gotta. Robotman leans forward and kisses the chief on the top of the head. And with a mwah, the chief looks delighted, to be honest. That's actually quite worrying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, we arrive then at the top of page 14. There's one splash panel. The caption for this page says, Soon above the glorious Caribbean Sea, paradise of surf, sand and sun. So this panel shows their aeroplane flying down. We can see there are some armed-style rockets all ranged to point at the sky. There's some buildings, a big dome. There's mm -hmm. another building looks like it's still being built in the background. There's some palm trees blowing in the breeze. Robot Man says from the cockpit of the plane, Man, dig that crazy Coney Island. Elasticero says, A tropical Shangri-La with rocket launchers. And the chief says, A nuclear power plant, my friends, with enough juice to barbecue the whole west. And then Negative Man says, but most important, a base from which we can clip the claws of Madame Rouge. Yahoo! Top of page 15 now. Change of scenery. The caption for the first panel says... But directly below them, 200 fathoms beneath that shimmering surf, a giant steel shark cleaves the waters. Yes, we see a very large submarine making its way through the, the ocean depths. We can see the island in the distance there, some more palm trees. And from inside the submarine... We hear the voice of Madame Rouge, who says, There is the island, Captain Zal. Yeah, Madame Rouge, your plan worked magnificently. You have driven their Doom Patrol straight to their Sandy Coffin. I think Sandy Coffin was the name of the original bass player of menswear. Thank you, boy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We haven't had a menswear joke for a while. Anyway, <laughs> in the next panel, Captain Zal continues, I have vetted long for this glorious moment, for you are not their only one who lives only to kill that man, Dr. Calder. He gives the order. Fire the demolition squadron, and then with some swooshes and swooshes and swooshes, you see some frogmen being fired out of what looks like the torpedo tubes. Awesome! They're emerging at speed and swimming off through the water. Back inside the submarine, finally now we see Captain Zal. He has a sort of militaristic style uniform. He has a a monocle, a military cap. Looks like he's something kind of fitted collar. And it's worth pointing out, he only has one arm. His right arm is missing. And he's in the process of saying to a very serious-looking Madame Rouge, he's obviously still talking about Dr. Calder, the radar devices he perfected in World War II destroyed my Führer's glorious plan of victory. And their anti-U-boat bombs he invented smashed my own ship and left me to live with a collar to support my head. Madame Rouge looking very, very steely-eyed as the captain continues. But now, together, Madame Rouge, we shall put an end to their chief of their Doom Patrol. Gosh. The panel of page 16 shows the frogman emerging from the water, climb up onto some rocks as in the background. We see the Doom Patrol's aeroplane has landed and they've all made their exit. Again, Robot Man's carrying most of the luggage. Negative Man's got some of it. Rita is wheeling along the chief. Robot Man is saying, Man, I can't wait to get started on some plan to smash the Rose Lady. Negative Man says, that makes two of us, chum. This is one piece of mayhem I'm really going to delight in. We turn the chief in front, and the chief is saying, Gently, friends, gently. We must lay our plans carefully and flawlessly. Remember, Madame Rouge has a few ideas of her own. And Elastigero replies, She can't touch us, chief. Not here in this impenetrable island fortress. And page 16 is concluded with a caption that says, Bite your tongue, Rita. The impenetrable just got penetrated. But good. We arrive at the top of page 17. Unseen by the Doom Patrol, the demolition squad swiftly carries out its mission. The background of the panel, there's a massive BOOM! Explosion as the aeroplane, well, explodes. We can see the frogman legging it. Robot Man turns at the explosion and says, What the? A firecracker from Madame Rouge, no doubt. Some secret headquarters we picked. Kennedy Airport would have been better. He observes the frogman and says, Okay, Frogman, prepare to do some real croaking. And he's caught up with them in the next panel. He basically hands him the rasses. He punches one guy out, saying, Relax, cookies. I can handle this whole batch. Obviously telling the others he doesn't need any help. The Frogman looked very unhappy and scared as Robot Man continues. Sheesh! The Rouge Lady must have sent her freshman squad. If they don't fight any better than that, the State Boxing Commission's gonna investigate them all. Final panel of page 17. This is great. He grabs one guy by the ankles and slams him down on top of another one with a bawump. 
Sound effect, all the while Robot Man is speaking and saying, What did you idiots think you'd accomplish by blowing up our plane? Neg Man could fly us all out of here in 17 seconds. Or we could build a pontoon bridge out of your bodies and walk back. And one of the <laughs> frogmen, as he's struck by his colleague, painfully exclaims, Ugh! Awesome. So we arrive at the top of page 18 now. Rita cries, Look out, behind you. Robot Man says, Oh, and these frogmen must be the super strong division because they've managed to lift a set of aircraft wheels and throw them at Robot Man. And in the process of doing so, one of the frogmen says, Too late, Elastigirl. Robot Man is a dead man. Robot Man leaps out of the way of the flying wheels in the next panel, which land behind him with a thwump and a whoosh, and he says, There you go, littering the beach again. Beer cans and coke bottles are one thing, but this is going too far. Next panel, Robot Man uses his hand to cut down one of the palm trees. And he's saying, That's what I get for trying to be nice. Okay, now I'm sore. And he uses the palm tree in the next panel to rush the three frogmen and knock them all off of their feet, saying, This is one belly ache you won't forget for a while. Yep, he strikes them all in the middle and they all go flying with a thwomp. One of them cries, Ugh! So, caption for the final panel of page 18 says, Suddenly, as the mighty submarine surfaces... Yes, there's a massive sploosh sound effect. Now, we don't really quite see how close they are to the beach that they're able to see this, but they are able to see it. That's all that matters. The chief's voice from off-panel says... Good grief. It's... it's... Yeah, Dr. Calder. Your old friend, Captain Zal. An unpleasant surprise, Nine. Especially since their war crime commission declared me dead 15 years ago. So we arrive at the top of page 19 now. As, out in the water, standing on top of a submarine, Captain Zal continues, And I have three more surprises for you, Herr Doctor. They're weapons you see mounted here. Very special devices for you and your freakish friends. As an insert panel, you see one gun firing, with a quoom sound effect. As Captain Zal says, First, a special one for negative man. And we see, back on the beach with a quiff sound effect, it's a little cloud blowing up around negative man, who says, Nothing but a dud. All it did was blow sand at me. That's your secret weapon, Captain Zero? So, in the next panel, Negative Man's down on his knees and he's obviously trying to unleash his power, but it's not working. He says, Okay, Negman, go get him. Negman, go! And off camera, off panel, Captain Zal says, Your commands are useless. The sand which was blasted into your skin is completely radio-resistant. Your Negative Man is imprisoned within you. In the foreground of the panel, Rita is growing to giant size with a whoosh, and she says, Don't worry, your big girlfriend will zap Captain Zal. The caption for the next panel says, But before Elastigirl can expand to full height. Yep, there's another whoosh sound effect as, well, a giant net is catapulted from the submarine. It lands on top of Rita in the next panel, final panel of page 19. We can see there are bolas to tie the net around her. Rita says, A steel net! I can't expand further until I break out of this, but... At this size, I haven't the strength to bust out. And off-camera, Robot Man says, Cool it, Stretch Baby. Robot Man's on the way. And a tiny caption says, Continued on the second page following. That's a very exciting. We're at the top of page 20, and Robot Man has rushed up to the steel net that's surrounding Rita, and he takes a bite at it. A crack sound effect, and he's saying, Man, this is easier than breaking a shoelace. Two or three more of these, and you'll be out, kid. Rita replies, Good thing you don't have to worry about your teeth. The caption, however, for the next panel says, But before he can snap a second strand... Yep, from the submarine there's a massive <laughs> sound effect, and a black sound effect as Robot Man is struck by what looks like some kind of laser bolt type effect. He's surrounded by an aura of energy as he cries, Rah! In the next panel, it looks like he's attempting to do a very bad press-up. He's still surrounded by this aura, and he's saying, C Can't move my legs! What is it, Chief? I've taken heavier charges of electricity before. Chief in his wheelchair behind him says, But not a magnetic charge. That shot permanently magnetised half of the tiny motors that activate you. The next panel we see Negative Man struggling, Rita wrapped in the net, Robot Man struggling to move, still surrounded by the aura, as the Chief says, All right, Captain Zhao, you and Madame Rouge have won this round. And off camera the Captain says, Ah, but the round is not yet finished. Madame Rouge and I have one goal in common, Herr Doctor. Your complete humiliation. Now, we arrive on page 21, which is basically a dialogue back and forth between Captain Zal and the Chief. A close-up of Captain Zal. We see his grotesque, monocled face as he says, This horror that I must wear for a neck, you bestowed it upon me, and now I shall even their humiliation. 
What do you prize above all else, my democratic doctor? What are you getting at? Your image is a freedom fighter, nine. You would love to die for glorious mankind, yeah? But would you die for the smallest part of it? Stop these blasted riddles. Speak your rotten mind. Would you die for a handful of stupid, ordinary men, eh? A small crumbling town in New England, Codsville, Maine, fourteen useless fishermen. They die in two minutes. Or you do. You're bluffing. You know better, Herr Doctor. I hold in my hand two plungers. Then we get an inset panel, which indeed shows close up of the gloved left hand of Captain Zhao, with two detonators in his hand. He continues. One will blast Codsville from their map, or the other will sink this island under all of you. Close up of Captain Zhao looking very manic as he cries, but every word we say is being broadcast to the world. When you make the logical choice, all will know that their greatest chief loves his skin first, like any man. Two minutes! And in a small caption at the bottom of the page, it says, continued on second page following. Gosh, this is high stakes. Mm. I don't think we've ever had anything quite like this, PC, have we? No, definitely not. Anything we've done for the heroes that we've been reading have been faced with such a a stark sort of challenge. We arrive on page 22. In a close-up, the chief says, You heard him. Fourteen ordinary men, strangers to us. Well, my comrades, you must decide. And we get a close-up of Negative Man. It's always weird seeing (laughs) his face through his bandages. Mm -hmm. As Negative Man says, Strangers? Chief, didn't you teach us all men are our brothers? A close-up of Elastigirl, who looks exactly like Hayley Atwell on this panel. She does? Wow! (laughs) It must be said. There's some fancy casting there. Well, obviously we've got a great Rita. We should have had you doing your your (laughs) Hayley Atwell voice. (laughs) Maybe Hayley Atwell will step in and voice this panel for us. Wouldn't that be exciting? Get her on the phone. Well, I've got her on speed In a close-up, Rita says, The Pilgrims, they were just ordinary men too. Not a genius among them. Next panel shows Robot Man still on his back, surrounded by the aura, unable to move, and he says, And the Hebrew children, who wouldn't bow to the Pharaoh, just ordinary shepherds and farmers. In his next panel, we're back out on the submarine with Madame Rouge and the captain. We can see the Doom Patrol on the beach in the distance. Madame Rouge looks at the captain and she says, Why don't they answer? What do they wait for? Remember, Zal, you agreed that they will not die. Never fear, madame. They will not sacrifice their precious DP for nothing. But then, the final panel of page 22, the Doom Patrol all look triumphant, as the chief says, Here is our answer, Captain. A negative man, robot man, and Elastigirl all say as one, Fire Fire away! Off camera, Captain Zal says, Fools! Heroic fools! So be it, Madame Rouge says. No, Zal, don't do it! You swore to me! And then we arrive on page 23, the caption for the first panel. And from the ocean floor, a fantastic charge blazes forth, consuming all. There is a massive... Kawawoom! A massive fireball as the entire island is blown up. You see the submarine still floating in front of the island. Madame Rouge says... Zal, you betrayed me! You killed him! A man who is worth a hundred of you! Stupid woman! What do I care for your childish love affair? Even until the last minute he taunted me. But he will not taunt me again. Niles Calder and his Doom Patrol are dead. A slow dissolve. Caption for the next panel says, Instantly the dread news flashes around an unbelieving world. Here we got a shot of a radio telescope mast as the radio voices reporting the news says, Will even the smallest child living at this moment forget what they have done? Could all the super deeds of that astounding group ever equal this single lesson in courage? And a slow dissolve. The caption for the next panel says... And in a small New England town... And we see some of the, the fishermen and their families that the Doom Patrol just sacrificed themselves to save. One very gaunt figure, sweet black brown hair and a purple jacket, is saying... Then we're agreed. Cardsville is dead, but our renamed village, Four Heroes, Maine, is just beginning... From the crowd, one of the other men says, And we'll make it one they could be proud of. Another slow dissolve, and the caption for panel four of page 23 says, The following day, as Steve Dayton's yacht speeds over the high seas. Yeah, we can see that the ocean is still boiling. It's coming from it after the, the explosion. Steve's big fancy yacht, and the captain of the ship is saying, There it is, Mr. Dayton. The ocean floor is still boiling. 
I wouldn't get in any closer. You will, Captain. Well, you'll find another job. Again, as I said, coming from the water. Gosh. The next panel shows Steve leaning over the, the guardrail, tear in his eye as he drops a single rose into the sea. And he's thinking, goodbye, my love. My only love. This is not your last resting place, Rita. Your shrine is within me. In an insert panel, we see him with the captain, as he says, Take it away, captain, and make it fast. I've got a job to do. In the next panel, we're up above Steve's ship. Gulls flying overhead. Steve is thinking, And I'll spend every part of a billion dollars to do it, to destroy those who took her from me. Not a single one shall escape. And our final panel. We're back with Bruno and Murray in the DC offices. Bruno's standing in front of his large drawing of the explosion, and he says, Then it is true. They are dead. The Doom Patrol will never fight again. And a close-up Murray says, It would take a miracle to change that ending, Bruno. A tougher job than even the DP ever faced. And he addresses the reader here, saying, And only you out there, the reader, could do it. You always wanted to be a superhero, didn't you? Okay, Charlie. Let's see you try. And we wind up the caption that says, The The end. end! Or is it, is it Charlie? Charlie? So there. Gosh. My goodness. Yeah. Wow. That was intense. <laughs> and they were never seen again. <laughs> that, I mean, that's a question I want to ask, Pete. So you might know this better mm-hmm. than any of us then. Like, the Doom Patrol had been rebooted and relaunched in the comics many times. Yeah. There was a few issues of Showcase in the 70s. Mm-hmm. The Cooperberg series that merged into the Grant series. And then it was rebooted in the early 2000s. It seems to be in my memory's original cast. And then John Byrne had a bash. Yep. A couple of years after mm-hmm. that, and then I'm sure there was something during the New 52, and there was already something in the DC's Young Animal after the New 52. Yeah. Did the originals ever come back? Yes. Ah. So Robot Man survived. Spoilers for the future. Robot Man survived, obviously, because, you know, he was mostly protected. That was yeah. fine. He formed the basis of the new Doom Patrol when characters like Celsius and uh, Tempest joined. Of course, yes. Yeah. So we had that for a while. We'll meet some of those characters actually when we get to Crisis and Infinite Arts, won't we? Yes. A couple of them pop up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we had that. Then we had, as I said, right at the start, the Robot Man story in the Teen Titans, which uh, picked yes. up some of the threads from this very story. Captain Zal, who uh, returns in that story. Captain Zal, who. This is his first appearance, and he destroys the Doom Patrol. Oh, really? Uh, Madame Rouge, obviously, has been an antagonist and an ally of the Doom Patrol throughout the Silver Age, as it goes. But Captain Salve turns up, and he kills him. It's it's so weird. And obviously, you've got yeah. Mishu Mala and the Brain in this as well, and they get killed. Yeah. Whereas, you know, it could have been them who... T- it's really interesting that that's what they chose to do. Yeah, that they, they created a new body to uh-huh. do it instead of maybe making it the satisfying job of yeah. one of their arch foes. Mm. I mean, they give him some dialogue that, you know, mm. that he has a bit of history with Dr. Calder, but you're right, yeah. it would have been a lot more effective. Mm-hmm. Finn, you're our special guest this week. <laughs> What's your thoughts having having read issue 121? I seriously haven't read anything like it. I even, like, in manga nothing like that like they've killed off all the heroes like at the very end Mm. or did they (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and especially since they did it with like essentially a nobody um with like no history in the doom patrol comics just a one-off character Mm -hmm. very very strange especially since they killed off one of the kind of favorite villains brain and um monsieur mala yeah because they essentially and Doom Patrol kind of built up most of the villains you'd see in Doom Patrol TV show. Right. Edric Morden, which mm-hmm. was basically created by Brain, turned into Mr. Nobody. Yay. Love Mr. Nobody. So, mm-hmm. yeah, without Brain, you wouldn't get him. And I'm thinking, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing, Pete. See, mm-hmm. Do Brain and Monsieur Mala, do they come back at any They point come back, and there is a phenomenal phenomenal Grant Morrison story. A single issue story. It deals with them confronting Robot Man and Cliff Steele's brain, which is separate from the Robot Man body at that time. Oh, right. And it is a phenomenal issue. I might try and track that down. That's his, I, need, I need to get some more trade paperbacks of the Grant stuff, don't great. I? I think that's what I really need to do. As far as the future history of the Doom Patrol goes, it's, I forgot to say as well, obviously, it, the negative spirit survives. Ah. And then inhabits negative woman, who is part of the, the showcase revival. Of course, that's right. But then there are several new teams later on, and there's a really good John Arcudi series that introduces a lot of new characters, but also still has Robot Man in it, but that's really good. Then there's also the John Byrne reboot, which kind of like takes it right back to the beginning. 
and as if this was the Doom Patrol appearing for the first time. Right. As far as everyone's concerned, it was a full reboot. That's the one that spun out of Justice League, wasn't it? Yeah. I remember reading that issue of Justice League at the time. I think I've got a few issues of the uh-huh. of the John Byrne one. It's, it's weird, I've got a few scattered issues from the various series. I might, I might have to dig them all out yeah. and do some flicking through, I think. But then, uh, that wasn't hugely well received, but after that we had the Keith Giffen run. Matthew Clark did uh, the art for it, and it's absolutely beautiful. But the Keith Giffen run's incredible, because basically he said... All those previous Doom Patrol stories, they all happened. <laughs> and basically, the whole reboot that John Byrne did was the rest of the team just pretending they were only getting together for the first time because they managed to bring Rita back from the dead and her psyche was fragile. Right. So they had to make sure that you know she was kept stable. It totally retcons the whole John Byrne thing, but you just go with it because it's so much fun and Keith Giffen's just so mental and so perfectly suited for the Doom Patrol. Right. I actually met Matthew Clark at a con a few years ago in Edinburgh and asked him about working with Keith Giffen and then asked him, what is a Keith Giffen script like? Uh, <laughs> and he just kind of laughed, really. <laughs> Unfortunately, at the time they were doing it, they were under a lot of pressure because Keith was actually quite ill at that time. Right. So it was it was very last minute, a lot of the scripts, so they were working under a considerable amount of pressure. I see. But he did get better but unfortunately you know sales weren't really huge on the series but folks if you're out there listening check out the Keith Giffen run on Doom Patrol there only were two trades of it unfortunately they didn't complete the whole run but it is an excellent series and also had some really cool Metal Men backups. I think I've got a few of those because that was around about the same Blackest Night, wasn't mm-hmm. it? I remember because I bought the Blackest Night crossover issues. Now, I have, I have a question which you both might be able to answer for me then. Tell me a bit more about the negative spirit and how that works. Is that a separate entity then to the actual negative man or negative woman themselves? Or is it just is it a part of them? Or So it is a, like a totally different entity. It has its own like train of thought and stuff like that, but it needs Larry or a negative woman to stay alive. From the TV show aspect, and even from the Grant Morrison, it seems like it can't do much outside. It needs a host. Mm -hmm. Um, Because in the very first comic of the Grant Morrison run, it seems like it wants to go back into Larry. It needs like a host. Is it a sort of symbiotic type Mm -hmm. relationship then? That's very interesting. I really need to read some more Doom Patrol. I said, I think I said this before. Like, I bought like a bunch of Doom Patrols the night I saw Robbie Williams at the exhibition set in February nineteen ninety nine. So um, <laughs> I've owned them for twenty three years. I should probably dig them out and start reading you them. You probably now. should. I probably should. <laughs> it's weird. I mean, this I really enjoyed that story. Mm-hmm. It rattled along. We got through it very quickly and very easily. I'm very pleased to say. I just love the just the brutality of it. You know, you have two minutes to decide what you're going to do. Yeah. And then there isn't hesitation. You know, they're just like, no, this is the right thing that we have to do. I was very, very impressed by that. But how did they know they weren't just bluffing? You know, and well, I suppose they they didn't. Yeah. That was the whole point. If you're a hero, you've just got to go mm-hmm. right. Well, we just need to take the risk. We got to do what we got to do. And the fact that Captain Zal said it's everyone in the world is watching, so he must have had secret television cameras yeah. up. You know, filming the whole thing. Nowadays, yeah, it would be like a montage of, of people all around the world having their TV signals interrupted. And yeah, it'd be live streaming on everyone's phones, popping up on YouTube and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> it's fascinating. So. Vincent being our special guest, returning to help us again this episode after a very long break. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your cosplaying of a certain member of the Doom Patrol? Ah, yeah, Rebus. So I read Grant Morrison comics maybe like the first week I started working in Forbidden Planet and I was in love. Like the very start, just seeing Negative Man. (laughs) Rebus is a sort of man and woman kind of combined, not one, but both. Cool. So I found that I was like very interested in how they did that because it's more or less it's not Larry or Doctor Eleanor Poole, but it's both. And uh, Rebus kind of has to deal with that in a lot of ways, and it kind of just speaks to me because me being the sexuality that I am, just really deep. Uh, so I've thought to myself, you know what, I have to cover myself in bandages, I have to get myself a, a trench coat. <laughs> Sadly, I couldn't find uh, as trench coat keeps changing colours in almost every issue. It's been green. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah it's been green, it's been purple, it's been cream. It's style. Is that not just an excuse <laughs> to buy loads of trench coats? Yeah, if, <laughs> if I could find them in those colours. That means you're a really easy person to, to get a birthday or a Christmas present for then. Yeah, just 
give me a trench coat. <laughs> just give you a trench coat. <laughs> yeah, so um, I really can't breathe with the bandages on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like my first free comic book day in years, and I went to Forbidden Planet dressed up as Rebus, and yeah, I couldn't see anything. I remember standing there in the pot pile kind of holding this pop of John Constantine, thinking, how am I going to pay? I can't reach into my pocket because I have bandages on my hands. Um, the bandages were, Yeah, the bandages were very thick, so I had to ask my friend, I was like, don't make this weird, reach into my pocket <laughs> and grab my card. Excellent. So now I have a friend that cosplays Larry from the TV show. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping right. to get a whole multiverse of Larrys for next Comic Con Wonderful. whenever that way be. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So it'll be fun. There's a touch of the Invisible Man, isn't there? Sure. Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I must have told this story in the past. Like when, when I rocked up to sit my standard grade English, I found that I couldn't answer any of the questions using any of the books that we'd studied. But because I'd read The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells within the last six months, <laughs> I just wrote about that and somehow passed, even though we hadn't actually studied it. And I do remember at one point, probably off the back of the, the BBC's version in the mid-80s, mm. you know, and because my mum was a nurse and had lots of medical supplies on hand, I remember, like, there is a photograph somewhere of me wrapped up in bandages and with with swimming goggles and wearing my, one of my dad's <laughs> big coats, you know. Perfect. I'll have to see if I can find that somewhere, mm -hmm. change my profile picture, etc. Yeah, cool. Thank you for that little insight. So an interesting thing about the story, obviously, is the appearances of Bruno and Murray, and I'm told... That, that was originally drawn as Arnold Drake, who was the writer mm -hmm. of The Room Patrol. And recently, you know, I think it was when we were doing one of the issues of The Spectre, I was talking about how I'd been doing some digging into old issues of comic book artists and comic book marketplace uh -huh. and found a few details about when Neil Adams had been there and, and what was going on. I also found there's a very interesting article in one issue of comic book artists which talks that basically how there was a sort of movement within some of the writers and artists, mainly the writers at DC, to try and get sort of better sort of situations for themselves, you know, not necessarily forming a union as such, not, mm -hmm. but trying to get basically sort of medical insurance better terms. Sure. And um, DC didn't sort of like it, which is why at this point we see people like Gardner Fox fading out and more people like Mike Friedrich, who we've talked about, and some other uh -huh. kind of younger writers, Denny Neal is on the horizon, for example, sort of coming in instead was that they kind of, DC behave very badly and this is a very shortened, condensed version of it. Sure. It basically phased out some of the, the old guard. And I'm told that this issue was originally supposed to feature Arnie, Arnold Drake and Bruno together. Mm -hmm. But because Arnold had been one of the people that had been agitating for better terms and conditions, they replaced him with Murray. Ooh. So that's a bit... Oof. Mm -hmm. The fact that it's bracketed by the some of the creative team is the reason we chose to do this issue because it kind of ties in with our occasional visits to Earth Prime. Indeed, yes. The Earth where we live. Yay. <laughs> yes, Exactly. There's a bit of text at the bottom of the half-page letters page in issue 121, which is under the last couple of panels. Patrol postscript. There's no point reading the, the last letter that they get because we haven't done any other issues. The final paragraph here says, So where do we go from here, all you disciples of the Doom Patrol? Do you agree with John Balji and Ken Krause? That's obviously some people who wrote some other letters that are on the letters page. To, to keep them patrolling Yancey Street and to keep printing? Do you believe that they must never be banished from our midst? that theirs has been a soul-stirring, provocative, exciting and unique contribution to comicdom? Or do they perish with this issue, fade ignominiously from the scene, that we never again see Elastigirl, Robot Man, the Chief, Negative Man, Beast Boy? Does it really make no difference, or will you feel as if you suddenly lost five trusted friends? You, and only you and your pals, have the only answer. That answer is a sudden spurt in sales. So tell your friends, tell your enemies even, to buy, buy this issue. Or... It's bye-bye Doom Patrol, Ed. And obviously that didn't work. No. <laughs> because there wasn't an, an issue 122 published very soon afterwards that revived them. It was revived in the 70s for a couple of issues as a, as a reprint book, reprint nearly issues from My Greatest Adventure. But that was it. And as Peter's already outlined what happened to them next, we don't really need to go into all that again. But it's it's very interesting that they put it like that. It certainly is. You know, yeah. I wonder how the sales had been that they decided to take this sort of mm -hmm. step to do this sort of thing in the story. It's very interesting. The Doom Patrol are never truly doomed. They always come back. So, yes. Yes. 
Very good. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm kind of blown away by that comic, really, to be honest. It's the first time I've read it. Mm-hmm. I only got this issue quite recently. I got it before the postal increases went up before Brexit. I got it, I bought it from eBay from someone in France. <laughs> so that was quite interesting. If you're listening, someone in France, thank you very much. And although recently we've had the Gerard Way series, there's not currently a Doom Patrol series hitting the stands just now. However, there is still the TV series. Yeah, yeah, the TV series. Although a lot of it is Grant Morrison, they are bringing in some Gerard Way stuff right Ooh. now just to kind of even the Grant Morrison out because it does bring in a lot of the characters you would find from the original series. They've brought back Beast Boy. Beast Boy is back wow, uh, from Titans. You have a new kind of twist on Larry Trainer. He's not as quite happy as he is, uh, he's a bit more depressed. Robot Man's still the same, but he swears a lot more. And Brendan <laughs> oh. Frazier plays him. Yeah, that's which right. Which is yeah. probably top casting for yeah. Robot Man. And Elastigirl, she's pretty good in it. She plays kind of more uh, Larry Trainer's best friend. She doesn't have any man on the side right now, as her powers are a bit weird in the TV mm-hmm. show. She can't yet control them, uh, meaning right. that she's less elastic and more a puddle of mush. <laughs> <laughs> right. That doesn't have quite the same appeal, does it? Well. <laughs> yeah, so I think only in the last kind of season she's figured out that she can, in fact, change her size. Oh, exciting. And I did tap on this earlier, but the chief isn't exactly as friendly as he is in the comic books. He's a lot more sinister. He does have a love life in it, though, and his daughter, Dorothy, from the Grant Morrison comics, does kind of pop up, although I do know in the Grant Morrison comics it isn't his daughter. Ah, So that's something new that they have changed. So... How many series of the TV version have there been now? Three seasons right yep. now. So I've got a lot of catching up to do there. Yes, we both do. I've got the first season in Blu-ray, but I haven't oh, cool. watched it fully yet. I've watched the first couple of episodes, and I thought I really need to set some time aside for this. I'll maybe borrow that from you then once you've finished it. So that's our thoughts on the Doom Patrol, but what are your thoughts? Please get in touch. Yes, you can email us at theearthtopodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on social media because we'll be putting up lots of bonus material related to the Doom Patrol. On Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Earth 2 Podcast. And on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth 2. And it's the number two for all our social media. Yep. So if you're feeling generous, you can also go onto our coffee page and buy us a beverage. Or as I've asked, begged, pleaded you to, you could go to wherever it is you find your podcasts and rate and review us. Because apparently such things are good for algorithms and we like having good algorithms. So, Mm. Vincent, thank you for joining us. Indeed, yes. Oh, thank you. Hope that we'll get you back again soon at some point. Thank you for joining us, listeners. I've been David. I've been Vincent. I've been Peter. And we'll see you next time on... The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Bite your tongue, Rita. The impenetrable just got penetrated. But good. My goodness, the, the language of this comic is filthy. Or maybe I've just got a dirty mind. I do apologise. Right. Well, it's the final issue of DPE, what do you expect? Yeah, no, it's it's, it's, it's <laughs> terrible. Oh, dear. I'm going to write a letter of complaint and post it 53 years ago. So... <laughs> <laughs>